Hello and welcome everybody to our 55th Greenshaw Learning Trust and Friends GLT book club session. So this is another of our Edu book club sessions and we are utterly, utterly thrilled to be joined by Andrew Bernard, otherwise known as Bernie, who's the author of The Ladder. Um, supporting students towards successful futures in confident career choices, which, and I know um, Dave will talk more about why we've included this book in his section, but it's it's such an important part of what we do in schools with our students that it, we were thrilled to bits um, when Bernie said he'd join us today. And also we have Rachel Beddows, who is the careers leader at MEI. Um, so she's going to be joining us on the panel as well to help um, help with our conversations this afternoon and add the richness and the depth in, in, in what we're going to be talking about as well is just Dave and I being thrilled to bits and sort of fangirling and fanboying at the same time. So <laughs> Bernie, well, Bernie has, you've done so many things, Bernie. Um, he's an entrepreneur, a TEDx yeah. speaker, a director yes. of both Innovative Enterprise and the National Careers Week. A Correct. fellow of the Professional Speaking Association, so you'll see all of the places where I fall short on that this afternoon. Um, and and since 2006, you've been working with schools, businesses, charities, universities, colleges, so many different possible routes and yeah. mechanisms within which to access, support um, our younger generations for over 150,000 young people to help yeah that's 170 now 170 wow. that is that is that is <laughs> really that really impressive <laughs> no but you should do these things are important because every time you can you can sort of notch it up and when you get up to 200,000 yeah. you you know you, you change the website for that one so Absolutely. thank you so much we're thrilled to bits to, to have you De all here and I know you're going to talk a little bit be. more about yeah, thank you. More a, a little bit more about that as well, and some of the the roots behind what you've done and why. Um, after yeah. uh, after Dave's in talked about your book, as in why we've um, included it in our sequence of sessions, and also the specific session and how it intertwines and and threads in with the other aspects that we do. So, what an absolutely thrilling afternoon this is going to be. I'm hugely grateful to all of you, and I'm just going to hand over to you now, Dave. Well, thank you very much, Sri, um, and thank you, Bernie, for joining us um, today. We are really, really grateful to have you with us. There's so much that we're going to get from this hour. I know it is. The book is an absolutely fantastic read for, for getting those little ideas uh, and that big picture of what you can do to support students in making the, their career choices. Um, and it goes um, a little beyond that, I think, too, um, in, in a lot of the, the sort of the, the theory and the, the, the practice and the, the, the sort of practical ideas that you can take away. So um, lots and lots to talk about. And um, when, when sort of thinking about the books that we want to have in our book club, um, one of the things that really comes to mind for me is, um, is the sort of the real diversity of, of offering that, that we, we give to the people that listen. Um, we look at a lot of pedagogy, we look at a lot of subject specific um, now in terms of um, our, our maths particularly, both being maths teachers and Rachel too. Um, and, uh, yeah. and it's important that we we really sort of give um, a, a, a wide um, range in the set of resources for people to be able to become excellent practitioners in every aspect of, of every role that, that they may um, come into contact with. So um, so this is a really important um, book for us. Um, uh, we've, we've looked at um, Women Ed, we've looked at um, careers for teachers. And, and when we looked at careers for teachers, it really felt like, well, what about the students too? And, and so this, this became a particularly um, appealing uh, book after looking at the teaching life with uh, Kate Jones and uh, Robin McPherson. And, and, and so, so thinking about the book and, and looking a little bit um, yeah. sort of into, into what's offered in the book. Um, there, there's a lot in this book about um, sort of building trust um, and, uh, and, and I get this feeling about how um, when you're having these conversations with um, all of the, I call them stakeholders maybe, but the people that are, like, that are in your life, the people that you come into contact with, um, those yeah. conversations that you have, um, by having them yourself, there's a really good self-reflection part in there somewhere actually, where um, when, when you're having those yourself, actually going through that process and talking to somebody else about your career path can really help you to support others. And, and there's yeah. a lot of those little self-reflection uh, um, snippets within the book yeah. that really helped me to, to not just read the book, but to really get involved and, and immerse myself in that book as well. And, um, and, and when I'm going through, through the book, um, there's, there's just so many 
sort of parts of it that, that help me to understand what I can do to support others. Um, there is a, a set of questions I can ask um, my students or, or SLT or, or whoever else it might be about careers to, to really support um, everybody in, in that journey and of, of supporting our students with their careers. Um, there was a, um, a lovely part in here which talks about all the different resources that are available like GC, uh, BC, BBC Bite Size um, rather and, and National Careers yes. and, and, and the more and, and just sort of shows you where you can go but there's also lots to to really understand sort of how these different aspects of other students lives interact and interlink and, and i really like how how you have these sort of um the, these wheels that the students can fit in when, they, when they're 13 when they're 15 and yeah they can um sort of reflect but it helps you to understand the the, the bigger picture of what student is in front of you therefore what can you suggest yeah. to them um, and then the the section about particular subjects and what careers link to those subjects um, I think was just um, for me was that sort of you know penny drop moment where I went yeah no I really understand sort of where I <laughs> quickly get in but it gives you the idea of curriculum of how you can build it into your curriculum both in the subject yeah. and out and I'm going to stop talking now because I could go for the whole hour and we need to hear from you. Um, but well, why don't you do that? Just just keep going. I'll just sit here nodding. <laughs> yeah. I, I really could. I really could. But, but Benny, thank you so much for writing it and i just hand over to you if that's okay just to talk a little bit about why you wrote the book and sort of what your thoughts are if that's all right no thanks Dave. You, you've really introduced it really well it sounds like a really good book actually it does, i don't really recognize it all as mine but it's um you know I, I talk quite a lot about my where i've got to on my journey to be perfectly honest and and the fact that i'm a working in schools b that i'm actually kind of reasonably know what I talk, I'm talking about that teachers and young people l listen to me is is mad 17 18 year old me was an absolute idiot you know I was obsessed with football fighting fashion girls everything I got an E and a U at A level from a grammar school so that, that shows you how much kind of focus I was putting on what I should have been thinking about and I think doing the wrong job for 17 years after that E and a U at A level going away from my hometown of Aylesbury to North Wales, I kind of never really went back down south. And I realized what you were saying there, Dave, about your kind of reflecting on your own journey. That's one of the things that really, I suppose, made me think about why I wanted to work with young people in the first place. But also that kind of, that we're, I mean, Ian, um, Ian Gilbert from Independent Thinking, who, who helped kind of basically commission the book, he said, we're still kind of, peddling one of those old lies that if you work hard you'll get a good job and you'll be happy and you, that that's not always true for everybody and it certainly wasn't true for me it's certainly not true for, for loads of other young people and i thought we're telling young people that they need to work out what they want to do at 15 14 13 and then that's what they're going to do for the rest of their lives that's garbage no one does that do they no one i mean how many people how many adults do you talk to and go well i ended up doing this and because of this and that happened then i you know, I ended up working with my my mate's mum's business while I was I was hanging curtains when I was 17. And I thought, you know what, I could do this. And then you end up going into soft furnishings and then the recession comes and then you. You end up, you know, we all end up doing lots of different things or we adapt or we meet someone at university and we never go back to our, our hometown and we kind of go to Nottingham or we go to Edinburgh or whatever. And then we start again. And it's really, really hard to predict when you're 14 15 16 17 what you're even going to feel like doing into the future because for me we never focus on the underpinning person we focus on what the labor market needs what what organizations are going to need what technology is going to force us towards and i thought there was a big dearth of of developing self-reflection in young people because the amount of times i said well what i i just don't you know what are you good at Oh, I I I asked this lad in Bolton, "What are you good at?" And he went, "Oh, I said donkey impressions." He said, "No, no, I just don't know." And it was, it was really, and I kept asking, "What are you good at? What are you good at?" And there's there's peer pressure, and there's kind of not wanting to stand out, not wanting to be a big head. But you know, from the age of about three or four in in growing up in the UK, we're told to stop showing off. We're told to be stop being stop being a big head, stop being a clever clog, stop being a smart ass. So when we actually come to 16 and 17 and we're supposed to be going, da -da, we just don't know how to do it. We just don't have the experience. Ask an American what they're good at. They're still talking half an hour later, <laughs> whether they are or not. So I just wanted to get under the skin of that a little bit and actually 
design some tools and adapt some tools that can help young people to think, well, actually, what am I good at? And instead of sounding like a big ad, what tools have we got to allow them to express that? So whether it's application forms, whether it's interviews, whether it's personal statements, whether it's just wanting to become part of the school council or do a debate or whatever it is, that self-reflection for me is the start of confidence. That, you know, that start of, okay, where am I going to fit into the world? If you go out into the world not feeling very confident, you're going to kind of take the first job that someone's going to give you, or you're going to be paid what someone else thinks you're worth rather than what your actual value is that you can bring to someone. So that's that's one of my start points. The other one, you know, we just talked about, you know, that that random opportunities thing. That's why I designed this this kind of, you know, what was your your history like? What is your workplace uh, what's your workplace journey look like? And the brilliant illustrator Simon um, Heath designed that for me. He sat down and we we, we talked for an hour, and then he he produced that for me. And it it's so true because so many of us have these random opportunities or random occurrences, and sometimes we look at them as opportunities. Sometimes we look at them as derailment from our purpose. And I think it, it's really hard for us to do that. And I think for for many of us as adults, if we were honest we'd go back to our 16 17 year old selves and go we didn't really know what we wanted to do either and um, so i wanted to create tools within the book that help teachers to just get under the hood of kids a little bit more just to get under the under the who actually are you and where do you get your skills from that's why i designed the the cask it's grandly titled the continuum for the acquisition of skills and knowledge but we are continuums. We we are born, not even able to express ourselves. We can't feed ourselves. By the time we get to teenage years, we can express ourselves a bit better. <laughs> but but also we're we're not exactly fully actualized. And then as we as we grow, as we grow a bit older, we're we're supposed to be able to do that. But we we grab these skills from different places, from the hockey field, from the arts class, from from music, from drama, from DV, from whatever it is. It doesn't always have to be measured by exams or badges or medals. We develop skills babysitting for one. I always say, who's who's a babysitter? Loads of hands go up. Well, have you put that? No, we don't put that on our CVs. Why not? People trust you with their most valued possession. And as long as you give them back in one piece, they'll pay you for it as well. And what happens when things go wrong? They trust you to deal with it. So what skills have you got? You've got reliability. You've got honesty. You've got trust. You've got care you've got empathy you've got all of those things all those skills you're building oh yeah i don't really put that because it's i only do it for my auntie well even more important it's a family member you're trusted with it's even more you know so i suppose that's what i want to get the under the skill of it and just to give you i'll i'll breathe in a minute just to give you one more example of that when i'm asking young people like groups of say i don't know key stage four what are you good at who's good at art they might point at one kid at the back who's got a manga folder or they, you know, who, who's who's good at maths. And then you'll get, a, you know, a few kind of engineering looking kids to put their hands up. And then you say, who who's good at languages? And you might get three hands go up. Now, I don't know about you, but when you go into a classroom in central London, central Birmingham, central Manchester, you've got a massive amount of diversity. So when you ask people who's good at languages, you know that there's more there. So rather than those six kids that have got their hands up. See, OK, look, let's, let's ask that another way. Who speaks more than one language? Every hand is up. Who speaks more than two languages? Half the hands are up. Who speaks three or more languages? You've still got a dozen hands up. Right. That means you're good at languages. You might not be an expert in every single one, but if you can converse with your grandparents that came from Syria and you can converse in French, you can converse in English, this is your main language then you're in kind of like the top five or ten percent of the country loads of organizations want that we're a global world now you'll be working all over the place yeah english might be one of the main languages but think about coding think about all the other languages skills that you can then develop on the back of the fact that you can always already speak three languages at 15. so that's what i want to get that kind of that's where the, the confident thing comes in the confident and the the kind of success idea what do you already know and therefore what skills have you got that you can apply as you go as you look ahead as you look into the future so i suppose in a nutshell they're the main reasons i wanted to write a book because over the last 17 years of working with all of the, those students we just talked about 
I've picked up a few cues and I've picked up a few things and also being the director of National Careers Week and now Green Careers Week, 7th to the 12th of November. Um, we we know what kind of schools want and we're, we're listening to, to what they're after. We're, we're listening to, to stuff to make teachers' lives easier, but also what they're trying to t teach more fulfilling and more impactful for a longer period of time. Benny, that makes so much sense to me. And um, I guess this, the hour is just going to be about us digging a little bit deeper, I think, about what those cues are, because our, our role here is to, to try and sort of support people that are in the classroom or, or in the teaching profession um, in what they can do to, to support those students in their career choices and, and what, what they yeah. want to do moving forward. Um, I really like what you said there about um, it's, it's maybe think about our school and the, the pride that goes beyond just the exam results. Exam results are very important, but there's so much more yeah. to it. So, um, at the Green Shore Learning Trust, we have Ivy League lectures uh, where we invite um, speakers to come and speak to, to students. We have um, students on Year 7 camp at the moment, and, uh, and I'm seeing pictures of, um, of these students going through all sorts of different team building activities, which, you, which, which don't go uh, into, a, into Grade 7, Grade 8 with that academic subject. But it's um, but they're so, so important, those skills as well. And we have yeah. um, in-house sporting competitions and, and all of those things that are so important to the wider development. But... But I guess um, sort of my question then around um, this in terms of what can we do to help our students is uh, when you think about the cues, the resources that, um, that you could talk about in the book, what, what would be those sort of go to, maybe those best resources, maybe the, the, the sort of first thing that a teacher could do to try and really support those students in, in making those decisions? What, what's the sort of um, you know, specific things that we can do in our classrooms, in our conversations? Yeah going to help those students to make those um, choices um, to support them in making the, the right choices for them sure I mean what you've said there's really important actually it, it's it's not about purely about exams it is about all the other all the other skills and I think because of the focus on exams because of the focus on lead terms because of the focus on becoming a good school then a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about kind of gets slipped down the ladder that's increased a bit lately that's improved lately with with organizations like the cec and other organizations that are better there to support and lots more businesses have now stepped up one of the things one of the points i made in in the book is that there are a lot of businesses that say oh well students aren't career they're not work ready that you know that they're, they're, they're naive and they're, they're not ready for work the, the, I, I started asking business people who i've met at schools and stuff well what are you doing apart from coming to do you know interview days for half a day what, what else are you doing to develop that they suddenly go quite quiet <laughs> and you know there are organizations that, that are involved and there are organizations that do lots of things and that's been made easier with things like bbc bite size and, and some of the other tools that are out there but i think you don't get to you don't get to learn how workplaces are unless you kind of see them, unless you see people that work there, which is, you know, the, the importance of the Gatsby benchmarks five and six about having um, people from the world of work coming to speak to you, but also going into the world of work. I don't think that's really changed. And I don't, I'm not sure there's much, there's much alternative to making that really impactful apart from things like um, possibly getting your students to do community-based activities. So, you know, running a kind of community fair where you might do, and games where you might do a cafe where you might do those kind of things where they actually have to interact with people and organize the funding and all that kind of stuff i think but again you know i think we we, we need to kind of grab hold of what skills they've already got rather than saying oh we need to bolt these on we need to bolt these on because if if a young person is confident in the skills that they've already got then some of the some of the choices that they can make about where they want to get to in the future become easier and that's why i I've called it, you know, supporting students towards successful futures and confident career choices, because I think without that confidence, it's really hard for them to see themselves in the real world. And that's also thinking about, and also that's, that's basically you know, confident students who don't feel embarrassed or don't feel cowed by things are much happier. They're probably, they work better with each other. Their empathy's stronger. And I think they'll just be generally more rounded people. And I think our, our the constant focus on, on exam results does does two things. It, I think it reduces confidence for those students that aren't very good at exams or, you know, have different learning needs. And also it um, it kind of makes us a bit one dimensional uh, or it makes people rebel. That's the third thing, which is what I did. I went to a grammar school, didn't really like it. My friends went to college at sixth form. My parents made me stay at the grammar school. So I said, oh, yeah, you think it'll be better for me? 
watch me. And I think there's there's quite a lot of that. We've got, got quite willful young people that you're designed to be willful. You're designed to be pushing against boundaries. Let's try and make it a bit more easy for them to understand themselves. Let's make some time for them to do that. And let's try and use some tools to actually find out what are they happy with? What are they unhappy with? And let's empower them to kind of make some changes. So, Dave, you, you alluded to the Wheel of Life just now, which was a tool that was really helpful for me when I was going through my transition from realising that I can't work for anybody else because I'm rubbish at it and I would only ever do the bits of the job that I like doing and I would never do the thing. I would be a, a quite a good classroom teacher, but I wouldn't do any of the data. I wouldn't be very good at marking. You know, I'd do that, you know, throw the papers up the stairs and if you got up the top you'd get an A and if you fell down the bottom you'd get an F. I'd, no I, I wouldn't do that but I think it would be I would be very very late in all of the extra stuff that you have to do as a teacher and I absolutely take my hats off to teachers which is why I've tried to make this really really simple and easy to use and why all the, why all the resources are downloadable. So the Wheel of Life is a brilliant tool it's a coaching tool that came from sport and and also personal development coaching and um I came home one day. I used to joke about my wife being a counsellor, but never bringing her ears home. That's absolutely not true. I just never used to speak about my feelings and how I didn't like this and how I hated that and how I was stressed with this. So one day I did. And she said, well, let's have a look at the Wheel of Life. I was looking through coaching books. She said, let's have a look. So I looked at it. And actually, my kind of work life was just number one. It was like miserable where everything else was pretty good. Had two kids, moved to the Lake District, lived in the Lancaster it was great, but my work bit was the lowest scoring of everything. And it kind of just smacked me around the face that you're doing the wrong thing. And she then said, when were you last truly happy? I don't know about you, but when your spouse asks you that, <laughs> it might set off alarm bells. And I thought, what do I say? And then I actually realised I should tell the truth. So it took me 10 minutes of silence to work it out. And I said, you know, when we were on that summer camp on that campsite in France and we had that big mad game of football she said I knew you were going to say that you need to work with young people so that's kind of where it came from that 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 support and that help which is why I think the wheel of life is one of my favorite tools because it's really simple and you are telling yourself what you're unhappy with so if you choose to ignore that you're choosing to ignore the thing that you know in your heart of hearts and you've just told yourself you're so it means you're unhappy, you know, happy to be unhappy or you make some changes. So that's why it's a really powerful tool. And like bathing, you don't do it just once. You do it on a regular basis. So it builds your confidence. It helps you to understand, well, I don't like this bit. Uh, I don't like maths this, this term. Why not? Well, I had a bit of an argument with a teacher and I've never really dealt with that. So I need to go and speak to them or ask my tutor if I can kind of, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think we... As teenagers, we find it very difficult to kind of build those bridges again once once we've broken them. And I think schools, once they put a mark against someone's name, I think that that tends to stay. And then we've got whispers around the street. I mean, not not every school's the same, but a lot of a lot of them happen. You kind of anticipate that that kid on the back row, me, is going to be a pain in the backside this time. So this this is a tool that helps young people to reflect and think. I say, yeah, maybe maybe I don't need to do that now. Maybe I could change my approach to that. So. That's about building the confidence. That's about building the understanding and the self-reflection. And let's face it, most of us as adults are not great at self-reflection. So the other thing about it, if we start young, <laughs> we, we maybe get a bit better with it. And I think, you know, I've, I've given, so that, that's one of my favourite tools. I really love that. And there are two others. Once someone's asked, Justin has asked about the seven skills assessments sheet, seven SAS, easy for me to say. Um, that's taken from Tony Wagner's Seven Skills for the Future. Tony Wagner, Harvard academic um, from uh, from the UK. He wrote a book called The Global Achievement Gap. And he basically distilled that down into seven skills for the future, which I've adapted and, and used as an assessment sheet for where am I on the scale of one to ten? How could I improve this? Where have I used it in the past? Where is it going to be useful in the future? Now, the OECD has used that as their kind of baseline skills assessment for the last kind of 10 years. And it goes up and down a little bit and certain of them move up and down and they bring in new ones occasionally. But top and bottom of it is they are different skills that we use and we develop in various different places. And they're used in different blends in most careers of, of the now and most careers of the future. So critical thinking and problem solving is the first one. Is that one or is it two? I've called it one. 
Um, so, you know, it's, it's learning how to think, not what to think. And, you know, collaboration and leading by influence, that's teamwork, leadership. And that comes from, the, from, the, um, from projects. It comes from sports. It comes from, you know, um, drama. It comes from being on the stage. It comes from Duke of Edinburgh. It comes from scouts, those kind of places. And I don't think we always appreciate all the extra skills that we get from that. I'm, I'm very well connected to um, a teacher called Fran Edwards, who's, who's brilliant. She used to be at Alperton and she's now at Saracens and she's so convinced of the importance of outdoor education that, that she's really focused on DV as one of the mainstays of what she delivers. And it makes such a huge difference in the young people. So she'll go out and she'll try and get corporate sponsorship for 100 pairs of walking boots or, you know, 35 tents and sleeping bags and all this. And they do it. They get the money in. They get the kids. The kids go out. Kids who, who live in Hendon, who live in the middle of Wembley, who who don't really see much grass. So take them to the Peak District, take them out to, you know, the Downs somewhere. So and just be alone and be quiet and find out who you actually are. And I think all of those skills are really valuable. So that's, you know, collaboration, agility and adaptability. We're not always going to be the same. Very little is going to be the same. And they, they say, don't they, particularly in teaching, change is the only consistent. Well, that's the same in 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 everybody's life so yeah being able to do that in, in initiative and entrepreneurship there are i put the quote in here i can't remember i think it's 5.1 million small businesses in the uk about four and a half million of them have no employees so there's a really really good chance that loads of your students are going to start their own businesses but while we keep saying oh it's really complicated or we have dragons den and we have people going oh the business plan doesn't quite stack up for the next five years it doesn't have to be that complicated. You have to have an idea. You have to be brave. You have to create a, a sample product. Does it work? Great. That bit doesn't. We'll change it. And I think we need to kind of get to the stage where, although careers and futures and jobs are not everything, if you're unhappy at work and you're not paid what you think you should be, you can't afford to heat your house, then something's wrong. So let's start by opening up those conversations about, well, you know, that really difficult student at the back has a brilliant brain. They're just not suited to learning in the way that we teach. Let's give them some project based work. Let's get them working on ideas. They're really creative. Let's allow them to do a project that they want to do and see where it goes. And we'll worry about assessing them later. For now, they're disruptive. They need something different. Let's try this. And I think entrepreneurship is a really important part of that. That we're missing a massive trick on. Um, and again, that breeds confidence as well. It breeds skills, it breeds confidence, leadership. Effective oral and written communication, obviously very important. Accessing and analyzing information. We can all get a thousand answers, well, you know, 30,000 answers in 0.1 of a second on our mobile phone, can't we? But how do we know which ones are garbage, which ones are true, which ones are legitimate, which one's been paid for so that we start thinking in this way about a subject rather than, you know, the legitimate properly referenced answer that we need and finally curiosity and imagination you know why did that happen i wonder why that did that is such an important thing to think about why did that person do that and then understanding it and peeling back and being a bit more curious so, so they're two of the tools that i find some of the most useful the final one that i'll mention there are seven key ones in there right the way from primary um which can be adapted for send students as well um, all the way through to, to ones that can be used into adulthood, um, is the STAR model. It's a really simple way of helping young, young people to understand what they're good at, but then being able to tell people what they're good at without feeling like they're big-headed. Because I think that's something that really stops us being able to say, we're good at this. And I think that's the STAR model really helps with that. If we use it for assessments in, in organisations and corporate businesses and say, you know, what was the situation? What was the task? What was the action you took and what were the results you got? You're easy. You're able to tell a little story. You can make half a dozen. You can create half a dozen of them about you when you worked in a pub, when you had when that lady fell down outside the post office and you stayed with her while, while your friend went to phone the ambulance. You know what, what happened to babysitting, what, what you did on the sports field that made a difference, how you won the progress prize in year eight or whatever it was. You've got a series of these like back pocket positives, I call them, and then you can just draw them out at an interview and say, well, I, I can't remember when that happened, but I've got this example of when I was, you know, when I did something I was really proud of. Rachel, did you ever say something then? 
Yeah, I just want to say something because my my son, he's just he's just graduated, and he is applying for jobs right now. And I just wanted to say that he he had an interview today, which he got through a recruitment agent, and the recruitment agent said to him, right, this is what you need to do. This is the star model. Get all your examples ready. You see. And so I just wanted to validate that that is totally correct. Now, but you, you know, because as a teacher, you see things and you hear things and you might think, oh, well, they're just saying that, but probably nobody uses it, but they absolutely do. So I helped out at a STEMETS event once and you mentioned the STEMETS in your Excellent. book. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so that's what I had to do. We had to, you know, as mentoring, we had to talk them through how to sort of use the STAR model and come up with examples. And like you said, as a child, you, you know, you, you're not very good at it. He, so my son is a 21-year-old. He's not very good at it because he's never done it before. No. He was embarrassed. No. If he'd started when he was 12, 11, whatever, then, you know, he, he'd be good at yeah, it. Yeah, it so, just becomes something you do. Yeah, so yeah. just to say, yes, the star model, yes, is what they all use. Practice it. Yeah, and, you know, just because something's simple doesn't mean it's irrelevant. And I think that's – we're, we're led to believe that all this really – we have to have these really complicated web profiles and all this kind of – we actually don't most of the value of it comes from using the tool in a simple way and getting it in our heads that we're good at stuff. If Barclays uses the star model for appraising their senior staff every six months, it's not going to be rubbish, is it? So, yeah. And, you know, I, I often, I love that phrase pocket positives because it just means even if you can't answer that question, you've got something else you can say which is, which is positive. And let them fill the gaps in about what it means if you're the team captain. You know, it means you're reliable. It means you turn up all the time. It means everyone respects you. But let them fill the gaps in. If you're the team captain, then there's all that other stuff behind it that you don't then have to put as a kind of verbal bullet point, which just bores you to say it and it bores someone that's listening. But if you're telling a story about what happened when you were the captain, you made that decision, you took yourself off, you brought someone else on who was a fresher player that ended up scoring the winning goal, then... You've you've told them everything you need them to know about your ethics, your behaviour, your leadership style, your you know the way that you value the team bigger than your ego, and those kind of things. So I think it's yeah, thanks. I'm really glad you said that, Rachel. I mean, this is and just to listen to. Sorry, Rhea, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna let you talk because I've I've talked too much. Now, um, I think I think um, I have. I, yeah. No, <laughs> it was only going to be very brief and say um just that it's even as a grown-up even as a grown-up oh what an awful way to have to describe myself now yes i meant to be a grown-up even <laughs> at the stage i am now you know i'm in my in my 40s i now feel more comfortable and confident in saying what i'm like and what i can and what i think i can and can't do but straight away yeah. then you see i took the edge off by saying what i think I can and can't do. And it, there's, it, it's this fear of coming across as, as arrogant when you say, actually, yeah, I'm really good at this. And it's, well, what do you mean you're good at it? And you you, you um, were talking about that earlier when you were saying, if you, if you ask a group of students who's good at art, well, what do you mean by good? How do you quantify that? Where do you, what's your, what are you relating it to? Where's, yeah. where's the benchmark for it? Whereas well, who actually likes that structure that? with who the star. Yeah. 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 And yeah. that, that structure with the star model, you know, I, I had a quick Google just now about it when you were talking about it too. And I thought, well, it removes all of that sort of emotional side of it in a sense. It removes you just saying you're good about it. It's giving you that structure to say what you did, how you did it and the impact that it had. So it's not, it's not you feeling that you're being arrogant about it. It's actually, you're no. just stating facts. And yeah. the more you do it, the more you will see the different things you can do. And actually, when yeah. you're asked about it, it'll just roll off your tongue better because yeah. you're more, the more competent you feel in what you're doing, the more confident you'll be about who you are and yeah. how you work best. Because how often when we're younger, do we, who, there are very few people who know exactly what they're going to do and they follow that path through it. And so often my children one. look at... <laughs> Yeah, my children, you know, my children all look at my job and go, as if to say, oh, that's a bit boring, isn't it? Or how can you enjoy that? Or somebody else isn't, because there are different aspects of it that people are able to pull upon. Yeah. 
But we don't know that until we're in there and we're doing it and we're getting that enjoyment out of it. So it's it's such a difficult landscape for anybody to navigate at any stage and feel that you have to make that decision right now for the rest of your life. And I think what 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 your book gives and what those opportunities give is it gives uh, it, it gives a language. It gives a way of directing somebody to look at something so you can talk about it together or reflect together I also really like even in just that section we were talking about there isn't a hierarchy for jobs in there all sorts of jobs are listed in each section and the only order is alphabetical because all jobs matter everybody can get value out of their job we need them all to work so Mm. there are so many other things that we can get from our life experiences as well as the currency of our certificates and qualifications that we also need to take with us and it's it's collecting those at the same time and they're so they're so easily missed not noticed and therefore discarded so looking at it and giving it this structure that you're able to sort of scaffold it a little bit more for us through your book I just find hugely helpful because at the same time yes you start with STEM and that'll bring there you go Rachel I'm segueing you in now and in that section you start at STEM but you don't stop there you mention all of the others as well so my daughter is doing music history and maths at A level and there have been a couple of comments about oh music why are you doing that but she is now at a point where she's quite confident in saying, well, actually, you can get this, this and this out of doing music. And it gives me these skills and, and I just really enjoy it. So what's the problem with that? Because yeah. there are people place their other values on, on what you're doing. And sometimes you've just got to do it, as you said earlier, because you enjoy it. And if you enjoy something, you're going to make that work more likely. You very often you excel don't. at those so, things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're, so, you're Rachel, on. there we go. That was my segue into STEM there, as in the sense of it would be um, Dave and I have, have talked a fair bit, oh, and, and I know you're here as well. So it would be brilliant if there was anything else, any other reflections or anything you wanted, uh, questions for Bernie or, or anything to add as well, because <laughs> otherwise we will all talk forever. <laughs> I could also do the same, but I, I do appreciate it. Calling <laughs> uh, on from your daughter's A-level choices, um, uh, mine, my daughter, was art, 3D art, um, maths and biology. And again, her father, sorry, I shouldn't say this, but her father's like, well, those don't go together. What are you doing that for, you know? And, and she's like, no. She's like, well, I'm, I'm doing art because I really love it. And I'm doing maths and biology because... I think I'm all right at them, and I think that they'll be useful, you see. But little did she know that art was as useful, you know, and this sounds wrong, but I mean it in the right way. Art was as useful as anything, because it's just what you learn, uh, you know, about yourself as well yeah. from doing these things, you see. So, you know, she she learned from her maths and biology that, you know, not giving up can get you over the line. And, and she learned from art. She learned, um, as well as being creative, she learned some sort of like tech skills, you know. Yeah. She learned how to manage large product projects and get There's bravery in. in art. Yeah. I There's mean, lots of bravery in art. You're putting your ideas and your, your passion and your thoughts yeah things that people would just go what on earth is that well then you have to justify it and you have to say well this is one of the things i had this thought and then i pulled it apart and that's what i've done so there's quite a lot of you know creativity demands confidence it demands bravery it demands that being able to explain yourself it, it does and um taking the girls thing for a minute that's sometimes yeah. in some schools these combinations that rihanna's daughter and my daughter have taken can't happen if you choose maths yeah. or biology or physics or something that's it you can only do maths physics biology chemistry computer you're in that bracket and higher maths if you want <laughs> yeah. yeah but you know this is no thanks you should be yeah take, you know i know it's difficult for schools i'm not but some schools uh, maybe make that decision for different reasons but it you know it's yeah girls can take and all students can take you know a mix of yeah subjects different areas i think you're absolutely right my my elder daughter took um a levels but part way through after you know after the first 
parents evening her grades were kind of c's and b's at gcse a level they dropped down to e's and f's and but we said you know what's going we had that we had the parental chat you know what's going on and so oh, i just find it really hard to focus and the words move what oh, the words move on the page i find it she said i think i might be dyslexic so we, she was assessed and she's kind of if, if that's the spectrum where this is not non-dyslexic this is fully dyslexic she was about here and, you know, she then just decided she was going to go to college, went to college. And while she was there doing nursery nursing, she decided, actually, I want to be a teacher. And she ended up going to Durham to do primary ed. She's now been teaching for six years. But I think if she, if she hadn't, we hadn't had that conversation and she had, we hadn't had that reflection. The youngest, she did A-level um, drama. She did A-level geography. And she did, uh, I can't even remember what the other one was. <laughs> but she she did really well in all of them and she ended up going to Durham to do geography as well but geography was something she chose after she didn't want to do re so i think it's really hard you know those, those unusual combinations she did english literature uh, english language that's the other thing she did so all of those they're kind of they're, they're a strange blend but they all they're all underpinned by language but also the, the way we live and society and stuff so it's um yeah i think it's really limiting at a level it, a levels are hard enough yeah. If you don't do the thing you want to do and you're forced into doing something that just because it matches the other two, you're not going to do well at it. And it's going to drag down your grades and everything else. It's going to. So I think, yeah, that's, I, I suppose, one of the other reasons I wanted to do the book is it's got kind of almost anathema to what we were just saying, but it's actually thinking five years ahead and 10 years ahead instead of, because I was thinking about the weekend all the time. I wasn't thinking about my exams. I wasn't thinking about what happened after that. And all my mates were still studying. So they were jumping around going, I've got three A's. I'm going to go and study medicine in London. I've got this that, and the other. I'm going to go and study journalism. And I got an E and a U. And I thought, well, I'm the only one that's been messing about and staying at his girlfriend's till two in the morning, then walking home and all this kind of stuff. They've actually still been working. But I was so busy trying to be someone for somebody else that I'd lost who I was. And so that's one of the other driving factors behind it is if we kind of understand ourselves a bit better, a bit younger, we're more likely to, to, I think, move towards something that at least we like doing. And even if it doesn't make us happy, we can change and adapt from a position where we're just above mediocre, whereas I was like absolutely at rock bottom. It's probably the best thing that could happen to me at that point. But um, I wouldn't recommend it because then I did the wrong job for 15 years before I worked out what I really wanted to do. <laughs> so I, I think I want, I want people to learn from my mistakes, really, in short circuit from, you know, my, my short circuits and actually cut out all of that useless stuff that i did that didn't help me at all yeah um a couple of comments about um stem if, if yes say so yeah i i don't know if uh, all schools feel like this but you know stem gets quite a big push and there's quite yeah, a, yeah. a lot of things behind it um but again then that sort of can fall into a stereotype as well because i think in the world that we're living in like you said it's global um you know you work with people all around the world but how do we do that it is through yeah. technology so it's you know being in stem doesn't mean that you you, you have to do engineering or i'm just using that as an example no no mean that it's still just as creative you know yeah. or it's um you know it's still as much about people skills all of those things so i think that yeah STEM can get a bit narrowed, but that doesn't mean that I like it when they start adding in all these other letters as well. But, but, <laughs> but STEAM. Yeah, STEAM or STEAMED, all sorts of things. STEAMED? That sounds good design. Um, okay, of course. I think, in a way, STEM runs through everything or everything has to pass through STEM. I, it's yeah. just, that's the acronym that's been used and that's just the way it is. Um, yeah. So I don't think people should think I'm not a STEM person. Like you said about other subjects, I'm not a this person. You know? It's no. not like that. And then, but because I am biased, the most important letter for me in STEM is maths. <laughs> um, but I think that's, again, because maths at all levels, again, people just think maths, maybe that's a bit elitist, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's not. It's about the no. fundamentals of of maths as well that's that's also used throughout throughout all jobs you know and, and yeah. in all places so i think it's important that we ensure that students whether we're you know in a maths classroom we wouldn't i don't expect we'd do this make them scared of maths but maybe teachers in other classrooms 
maybe they do that maybe they're a bit scared of maths but i think it's important that you know um we we let students know realistically that they're going to be sort of like using they're going to be using some maths and what i love that you said bernie was um how you rephrased a question so if you said to um, a group of kids if you said it um who's good at maths right you'd you might have a few hands go up but you know nearly all that class could have put their hands up but they're just yeah. thinking, Good at maths means I'm the fastest, I'm the quickest, I got the highest marks in the test. But it is. Or I'm a nerd. Yeah, I'm a nerd. But that. Yeah. I'm not a nerd, whichever one. If I you rephrase that and you say, who likes money, you get a lot more hands up. Yeah. And I have to admit, since I've run my own business, I've been a lot better at maths. Yeah. <laughs> because it's important. Yeah, I, yeah because it underpins everything that, that we do, it underpins everything. That I do, I think about. I have to cost yeah. up jobs. I have to, you know, it it becomes far more important. And I think, you know, just the fact of running a house is really complex. Yeah. Though, you know, just you need it in your day to day life. How you how can else can you afford trainers or technology or the car that you want and this kind of stuff? How are you going to afford to get to from A to B? And it's, I think those economic things are, they're they're highly pressured. But you can make life a bit easier if you understand maths better. Yeah. That's right. And it's yeah. not all about being, you know, that genius. That's a stereotype, you know. Of course. Yeah. That's that's not really what, what it's what it's all about. Um Yeah, and I mean it I, I put the the one of the, the proudest chapters is one I actually didn't have any I suppose I didn't have much input in because I just took everyone else's research, but that kind of overcoming inequality of uh, opportunity chapter where they you know the, the the Royal Engineering, um, the Perkins Review revisited said that we've still got a poor, abysmally low numbers of students taking up engineering from black and ethnic minorities and from women, which are I think eight and six percent, um, res respectively. So I think you've got ninety. What does that mean? Eighty. I can't. Eighty-six oh, percent uh, who are white men you know potentially doing engineering so if that's not a kind of exact result of stereotype and i don't know what is so we do need to do more we do need to push more we do need to to understand more and that's the whole reason i put that chapter in to look at you know black and minority ethnic students are 15.6 percent less likely to get a first or a or a two one with the same entry entry grades as as students from a white background that can't be right. Where's the inequality come from that, that causes that? And that's even the students from black and minority ethnic backgrounds that actually want to go to university. I mean, Ilyas, Ilyas Nadji, the, the little story I put in there from um, from Rife, he wrote a chapter in Rife, which is a brilliant crowd crowd authored book through Unbound, which is about young people in, in UK giving us the stories of what happened to them. He grew up in Manchester, the home of one of the most august universities, research universities in the country. He only ended up thinking it was for him because a mate of his said, oh, there's this free food on an open day, come along. And he went along, loved it and thought, actually, I, I could do this. And it's like half a mile from where he grew up. And it was only going there and thinking, well, actually, I could be part of this. So outreach is massively important. And that's, I suppose, coming on to, to what we can do about it. We need to make sure outreach is done. And, you know, when we had Aim Higher, everyone knew what it was. And now it's, I can't even remember what the acronym is for it now. Um, and the different universities use it in different ways. It's not CEOP, that's the, uh, you know, that's the other, I can't, I can't even remember what it's called, Why which tells you everything. Is that what you mean now? Do you mean widening what? publication? Yeah, yeah, but it's now called something and I can't remember what it, it has a really strange acronym. And each university has their own way of using it. Loads of universities are not spending the budget. They're just holding on to the money and not really doing anything. Some universities like Liverpool, uh, Liverpool John Moores is particularly good. And Manchester Metropolitan Uni are particularly good at it. They've got the RISE programme, which is amazing. But loads of them, I've, I've seen lots of people on, on forums on Facebook about careers leaders that are just saying, I've tried to get in touch with loads of universities. They don't even answer the phone at the, the outreach programme. They don't even get in touch. There's there's nothing going on or, you know, since COVID, they've not been doing anything. So where's all that funding going and where's widening participation happen? And a lot of those, as well as trying to interact with people who um, possibly are underrepresented in, in their region, it goes down by postcode. 
So not only do they have to speak to particular schools, but they're only allowed to kind of engage students from particular postcodes. It's like, and I don't know whether this is true, it might sound slightly cynical, but it's almost like lots of barriers are already built in for universities to even reach out to students that might potentially be interested from a non-traditional university background. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a bit cynical there, but I just think, why not just throw the doors open and just say, look at all this amazing stuff on your doorstep. You don't have to travel from East Anglia to, to London or to Glasgow to get a great education. Come to our university. You've got loads of opportunities here, even for you. Absolutely. So I think that's that's what we need more of. We need more of that connectedness, more of those open doors. And university is not for everybody. So technical colleges, FE, T-levels. I think we're in danger of kind of overcomplicating it. Just open up doors. See, that If I want to... I should shut up in a minute. Um, if <laughs> as many people having as many opportunities to see what different careers are about as often as possible, that for me is the simplest recipe. Don't complicate it with, oh, they haven't got the grades, so we're not taking them to the university. If they haven't got the grades and they, they might not go to the university visit, what emphasis is there for them to go, actually, I need to improve my grades so I can get to do that brilliant course. Hmm. So as many opportunities for as many students as often as possible, and you will switch on those little light bulbs. That's what you want. Yeah. And once they've got the confidence to go, actually, that could be me. And that's what I want to do. Then you've got a motivated student. Behavior doesn't disappear as an issue, but it, it's less prominent. And you've got something you've got something to say, look, you can do this. You know, you can do this. So come on, let's let's kind of focus and work towards that. So I'm not saying it's the panacea for everything, but I think if you've got a motivated student that can see where they want to get to and they feel valued enough to be helped towards it, then let's build on that. And if this is one of the things that helps with that, great. Yeah, I agree with that, valuing the student. Um, I remember when I was teaching, I, um, a head of year came to me and she said, oh, I'll call the girl Lauren. She said, oh, I can't do anything with Lauren. She, you know, I can't get her to focus, can't get to do this, can't get to that. Is there anything you can do with her? Because I was the STEM coordinator. So I took her to, um, an outreach STEM outreach event, right? Um, and everyone else who was going was sort of like grade A students, and, and Lauren wasn't. Yeah. But you know, we took Lauren, and you know, ultimately that made her pull her socks up because she found something that she wanted to do, and she became a, a car mechanic, is what, what she was training to do. Um, right. she, she had to get her five grade C's, and you know, she pulled her socks up. And the other quick thing to say about what you're saying is make the opportunity for everybody. So um, I yeah. work on Advanced Mass Support Programme, AMSP, and we do lots of outreach and enrichment events. But what we still yeah. find is we say this is for anyone, basically is what we say. But we still find that when it's a trip, the teacher always takes the best students. But that's not always who it's aimed at. And we go, <clears throat> we weren't aiming at them, but, you know. That's still sometimes that's what the what the teacher brings, but we do try to describe who the activities are for. They're for different different ones for different students. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm getting the impression. I'm, I'm getting the feeling now. I maybe should have booked a ninety minute session for this book club because it's it's. <laughs> but it's. I think that just shows how important it is to talk about this and bring this in and also how multifaceted it is and how wide reaching it is in what we do as well. And just as before I, I, I bring Dave in for his quick takeaway and also you, Rachel, um, listening there, I was thinking about my own children's experience. Um, my daughter, we're taking to university open days. She's in year 13. I'm also starting to take my son as well in year nine because I'm thinking maybe this will give him something that he sees that interests him that he'll be excited about. Yeah. We went to one university for, for, for my daughter and they went to have a look at the engineering department and he was blown away and they were amazing with him, knowing that he's looking for the future they wrapped his arms around him in in that sense they showed him things they spoke to him as if they they really respected him and valued him we went to another university after that and i went up to the stand and you know i was like oh he's not quite sure of which aspect of engineering yet we're thinking about for the future and the look of distaste on her face said everything we thought right 
you've just lost him now. We won't be Blown coming it. back here. And you're meant to be a really good, you know, it's their open day. That's what they're all about. And yeah. The, and, and I think a, 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 another thing I was I was talking about um with uh, Dr. Neil Gilbride recently, we were talking about how some of the challenges in the community can be we're sometimes we're always trying to show kids, students, pupils, people, young people, things yeah. that are a long way away from where they are rather than what's in their community. And that can be really yeah. hard if you are trying to identify with these things. So if you are more rural, going somewhere that's a really long way away is a much bigger stretch and almost places a value saying where you're from isn't quite good enough. Um, yeah. But if you are located next to a tube station, then it opens up completely different options for you in a way that you didn't realise were there. And I think these are the aspects yeah. we need to talk about. And that's what you were talking yeah. about there as well, weren't you, Bernie? Yeah. All of those different opportunities yeah. there are, not just that singular, linear route. So mm. on that one then, Rachel, we have a few minutes left. And I talked a little bit longer than I meant to then. I'm just... I'm really fired up now. Um, would you mind? Would you mind sharing with us for you um, what would be your sort of main takeaways from the reading, the discussion, your your little nugget that 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 can can that's helping to frame it for you and maybe useful for others as well. Yeah, and don't let me talk too much because I'm also fired up as well, Rhiannon. So I've got maybe a couple of notes while whilst Bernie was talking. And the things that something that you said, you put, you said, we, we don't focus on the person. What you were saying is that, you know, not that you don't or that we don't, but that's generally what we don't do. So we don't no, focus yeah. on the person. And I thought that that really struck me because, um, you know, that is actually what it's about. Personal stories are really powerful and effective. And when you hear from somebody who you identify with, either because they've got the same hobby as you, they look like you, or they're struggling with something, or whatever it is, that's really, um, really powerful. So that was one thing I wrote down. And the other thing was, in your um, uh, seven essays, um, I was thinking about those, and how students sort of struggle to make the connections, like you were saying, with their hobbies and things like that, and how... Yeah. In their hobbies, they are developing those skills. But I also thought one thing that we don't do in the classroom so much of is pull those seven essays out. So I have to use a math yeah. example, I'm afraid. But if you, if you know, one of those is about like communicating, when you're actually yeah. showing your workings or explaining your answer to somebody else, that's a really, you're building your communication skills or you're working on a project or those sorts of things. So 100%. That's, that's the. And point. you have to be confident to do that as well. You have to say, I did this because. Yeah. And this is how it's worked. I did this because, and actually, I realised that I was trying to shortcut it, so I then had to do it again, and it worked out this time because I listened to instructions and I applied it better. Yeah, and that's that. Yeah. Yes, helping students make those connections because they can't do it themselves, at least not to start with, and also using people's stories. That's what I liked. Thank you. That's really good. When when you were talking about um, taking your son to um, the the university and he got really kind of wrapped around they wrapped their arms around him i just wrote down amazement is a powerful motivator and that kind of oh my god I, what i could i could do this and go into universities and see you know like when you see school open days and you've you've got the kid in the in the glasses and the the, the science teachers just set fire to their hands that that kind of oh my god i could oh if you get that from when you're kind of a bit older and you're kind of thinking about where you fit into the world if you could end up working on a an electric vehicle the same type that's been doing that you know won the e le mans e race or whatever it is then that okay i can i can touch this car and that's something i could work on in the future and i'm really good at computers i'm really i really like computer games but everyone says it's a waste of time and actually i can see this now and all this is technology and i can make this better and i can fix it and I, i've got this logical brain that allows me to do that and that in, that brings in maths it also brings in creativity so maybe that this is where i fit so that kind of amazement that also kind of solidifying who you are and where you could fit into the world i think that's absolutely priceless 
Thank you. And thank you. Thank you, Bernie. Thank you, Rachel. That was brilliant. And I could just keep saying thank you indefinitely. But Dave, um, I'm going to hand over to you if that's okay. I'm going to, um, for you to close the session, because I know there's also something you'd like to share as well that would be your takeaway. And we are running over ever so slightly. Sorry, everybody. It is just too good to miss. I'll be very quick. Um, there are lots of thank yous to say. Um, so I'm going to do them all in one go. Massive, massive thank you, Bernie, for, for the session today. Um, we are all fired We are all just like got that motivation now to go and support our students. I've got so many like, little takeaways. I know I try to distill into one each time. Um, for me, I think it's about challenging the stereotypes and actively seeking where that might be uh, within uh, the organisation um, that I work in and, and what I can do to support that because um, it, it is um, something which um, which is just so incredibly important and, and is, is everywhere and, and it's um, and there's always more that we can do to to, to make sure that the um, our diversity but equality and, and 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 that every student has got that best chance of success. So so I'll be sort of actively seeking where those opportunities are. But um, on another one as well, which could also become my sort of you know signature line here, really, that every session that we've done, probably the last 10, 20 sessions, I've come back to saying language is important. Um, and there's been another part in this session again today that's talked about how if you reframe the way you said that, you get a completely different result, which we is much more desirable. Um, and so language, the language we use, the care that we take over the sentences we say, which is ironic in the way that I'm babbling now, but it's so important, isn't it? It's so, so important. So, so just a massive, massive um, thank you um, for your time, your generosity. I'm so sorry we've run a couple of minutes over, but it's just been wonderful. Very thank you. I've loved it. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks, See you everyone. everyone. And thank you so much. Take care.